Tonight we're going to study verses related to Christians being persecuted. Uh, If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 10, beginning in verse 18. We're going to uh, go through a number of verses uh, tonight. Uh, This is really a touchy subject today because there are so many Christians being killed all over the world. Uh, The last verse that we're going to study tonight, I think, is a very, very interesting verse, and we want to know that, and and maybe we want to communicate that to some of those that are on foreign fields uh, serving. You know, when that lady with the voice of the martyrs was here, was that two or three weeks ago? Uh, She came and spoke. Um, This last verse, I think, that we're going to be looking at tonight is very appropriate uh, for that group. And I I probably would push that verse uh, a bit more strongly to to some of those that uh, have given their lives. Look at uh, verse 18. And you shall even be brought before governors and kings for my sake. Now that's talking about for Jesus' sake. As a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Now persecution in that day came from governors. Uh, These are Roman leaders uh, such as Pilate and Felix and Festus. And kings such as Agrippus and Herod Antipas. Uh, Here Jesus explains why the wolves in the world would be so vicious with the Lord's sheep. And it's not because of the sheep. It's because of the shepherd. Uh, The wolves actually want the shepherd. Uh, They want Jesus. Uh, Jesus says here, it is for my sake, for my sake that they're out in the uh, fields. Jesus said that his disciples would suffer abuse and persecution. The world hates Christians. Why primarily? Because they hate Christ. You know, sometimes we get the emphasis on the wrong uh, syllable. Uh, It's uh, uh, Christ is the one that they really hate and they really want out of the way. Um, Conversely, When we don't manifest Christ in our daily walk, in our daily lives, we're not going to be persecuted at all. There's going to be no persecution against us if we mimic the world. One of the things that uh, I think is being a really, really great witness for our church is that sign out there. We are able to give sermons on that sign. I think that's one of the smartest things we have ever done was to get a really nice big sign out there. And we're able to put up messages on that, spiritual messages that some people don't like. There was one guy that came by here uh, and was bugging Paula about the uh, marijuana thing. He says, you all can't do that. You can't put up things like that. You can't do this. You can't do He was telling us what all we could do. I don't know if you noticed, but we left it up there. We could do it. We did it. Um, Well, uh, when we don't manifest Christ, we don't uh, get the world's wrath against us. The Christian who mimics the world uh, 
simply keeps their faith to themselves, they're in no danger at all from the world because they fit into the world. The world attacks us only when it sees Christ in us. That's the only time. The stripes, the lacerations, the bruises, the scars on Paul's body were because of the brand marks of Jesus. That's what they were. They were for Jesus. They were made on Paul's body, but they were intended, really, if you kind of think about it uh, in that way, they were intended for Christ. They wanted to put Christ down. They wanted to kill Christ. They wanted to torture Christ, which obviously they eventually did. But uh, Paul, you know, led the way. Uh, Paul's persecutors did not despise him, but they despised the Christ that worked so powerfully through him. It's for Jesus that we stand up. It's for Jesus that we give our testimony in the marketplace. It's for Jesus that we have that sign out there. It's for Jesus that we're building this new building. It's not uh, for us, it's for him. We want his message to go out. We want his message to be heard and, and be seen in our world. Every antagonistic and injurious unbeliever, no matter how unconsciously, persecutes Christ through his people. Jesus declared unequivocally that he who is not with me is against me. Now, where does that put people that are neutral? That puts them against him. You know, people that don't even think about Jesus. Where are they? They're not for Jesus. They're not standing with Jesus. Jesus says, if you're not for me, you're against me. Well, Christianity uh, began to spread through the Roman Empire. You know that. Uh, Paul's missionary journeys were everywhere, and the message kept getting out. Uh, uh, it would take over this country and then that country and then the next country, and the message would go out, and people would be saved, and they'd build churches, and the message would go out, and more and more and more of that would happen. Well, Rome became especially fearful because there were 60 million slaves. And these slaves were being converted in large numbers. And that scared the Romans to death. Now, they were not permitted to marry free citizens. The slaves weren't. Now, even free men at the lowest level of society uh, couldn't get uh, married to these slaves because slaves were considered less than people. So you couldn't marry them. But when slaves and free Romans alike became Christians, they discovered that there was no barrier between them, that they were on the same playing field uh, one with another. They were alike in Christ. They were equal in Christ. And that Christian message began to spread throughout the Roman Empire. Christianity, therefore, became looked upon as a threat to the entire Roman social system. And that's the last thing the Romans wanted. They wanted everything in order, everybody in the right place, everybody doing the right thing. If you didn't do that, they'd kill you. They were very heavy-handed. 
Consequently, uh, false charges were repeatedly made against the Christians because they, they didn't like what these Christians were doing. They were sharing their faith with slaves. Slaves were being saved, and the society was beginning to turn. Throughout church history, various governments have been involved in persecuting the church. Now, you all are just the right age to know that uh, in communist countries, they killed millions of Christians. They hated the Christians. You know, communism is a totally atheistic system of government. They don't want any place at all uh, for Christians. That's the last thing they want. During modern, modern time, communist governments have uh, slaughtered, slaughtered, persecuted, imprisoned, Uh, countless millions more. Um, It's always sought to bring pressure upon uh, any religion, and especially Christianity, because Christianity throughout all the ages has spread. You know, you just, the more you fight against it, the more it grows. And that's what's happened throughout the history of our lives. Well, let's look at verse 19. But when they deliver you up, do not be anxious about how or what you will speak. Now, isn't this interesting? For it will be given you in that hour what you are to speak. For it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Isn't that something? The promise of scripture is, is that when we're being persecuted, we'll be able to speak the very words that our Lord wants us to speak. You know, it'd be bad if somebody was burning a Christian at the stake and they started cussing. That would defeat the whole, the whole thing. You know, that would ruin the testimony. But Scripture says that we're given the words to speak by the Lord himself. And that's wonderful. To be maligned, persecuted, arrested, beaten is traumatic. Uh, It's uh, very, very difficult not to become anxious. This verse says, don't become anxious. Well, how in the world can you not become anxious when people are beating on you? Uh, That would make anybody anxious. It says, don't be anxious. Well, how do you do that? Well, you have to really zero your thoughts in on the Lord. And let him speak through you. The natural reaction is to speak out in our own defense. To convince our accusers of our innocence. But Paul admonishes us at all times to not become anxious. To let the Holy Spirit of God speak through uh, our mouths. In a town like uh, Sun City, unbelievers... Watch Christians. They watch us very carefully. They want to find inconsistencies in what we're doing. Uh, We are on trial, so to speak. Always been that way. It always will be that way. They are looking for ways to discredit us. If they're not for Jesus, they're against Jesus. That's what our text tonight says. Well... You know, we've got to be cognizant of that. We've got to know that we've got to be uh, 
Christ-like in what we do and what we say, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. Um, The lives uh, of the ungodly resent their being a strong Christian presence around them because it makes them look bad. And they don't want to look bad. They want to look like they're the leaders of everything. They're the ones that know everything. Uh, You know, everybody else, we don't know anything. Uh, We're in the stupid masses that that Gruber guy was talking about uh, this week. We don't know anything. Well, many of the most memorable and powerful testimonies of the great martyrs were uttered as they were being put to death. God gave them a special presence of mind and clarity of thought to present a testimony more powerful than they would have ever come up with on their own. For the apostles, that promise included an added provision of divine inspiration. You know, every once in a while, we say something that is just brilliant. Have you ever caught yourself doing that? I mean, really, every once in a while, you know, when we're in a witnessing situation or we're in a a situation where we say a blessing somewhere or we're in a situation where uh, maybe it would be a little awkward in a family setting and you know everybody there is not a Christian, And the Lord gives you something brilliant to say. You know, it's just amazing how the Lord helps us at times like that. And we can give a good, strong testimony for our Savior. Uh, Jesus says, For it is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you, through you, uh, to those that will hear. Uh, Sometimes the rulers of any society, uh, they don't know anything bad about us. So they can persecute us. So what do do they do? They just make up stuff. They lie. Uh, I served uh, a church in Tempe, Arizona years ago. I was there for four years. And we had a guy in the church that was a strong Christian. He was very dedicated. He was a great guy. He was a close friend of mine. Well, one day I get up and uh, my phone is ringing, 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 ringing. And everybody's telling me that they have arrested our Sunday school director, the guy in our church, for child uh, molesting. And uh, I thought, uh, that doesn't sound right. So I went to the jail. And I said, uh, what's going on? And he said, well, people have lied, and here I am. Well, our church knew that guy. You know, if a bunch of people got together and said that Jim Shumway was doing something terrible, we would all stand with him because we know him. He's one of us. He's one of the best of us. And we would, you know, we would want to stand with him. And that's what we did with this guy. Uh, When his uh, trial came up, we packed out the courtroom. We got up and gave testimonies about things that he had done along the way. And, of course, those that were accusing him were there. 
And uh, they kind of got the message. And you know what happened? The girl who I think was induced to say something by her parents recanted her testimony. And he was freed. Of course, when it came out, it was on the front page. And when he was freed, there was nothing. So in some people's mind, it ruined his mind forever. And he was totally innocent. But we stood up for him. We prayed for him. We had had prayer times at our church for him. And he was totally innocent. Well... Um, if you really stand up for Christ, persecution is coming. There's no question about that. Uh, They will uh, come after you. They don't like you. They don't like what you're doing. Uh, They're going to tell you you can't do this, you can't do that. And what you need to do is to rely upon the Lord. And you need to reach out to Christian brothers and Christian sisters. And we need to pull together and help. I don't know if y'all know this, but Bob Ham, chairman of our deacons, has uh, been real sick. And he's having to be horizontal. His back hurts. He's got all kinds of pain. And you know when uh, one of ours is sick, when one of ours is suffering, uh, we need to stand with them. We need to pray for them. That's why our Wednesday nights are so important. We have a sheet on Wednesday night. If you don't come on Wednesday nights, you really ought to come because that's where you really know kind of what's going on. You know, we have all these things about everybody, and we have a dedicated time of prayer uh, for these people. We lift them up to the Lord. Well, during the Roman persecutions of the 2nd and 3rd centuries, an untold number of Christians were betrayed by you wouldn't believe who? Their sons, their daughters, their parents, even sometimes their mates. And they were arrested and uh, they uh, had to be in prison for an extended length of time. They were betrayed. People made up uh, lies about them. All right, let's look at verse 22. And you will be hated by all on the account of my name. This is Jesus' name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Now, as verified for the last 2,000 years, believers find that they're hated by a whole lot of people. You know all the Muslims hate us. There's millions of Muslims. They hate us. They want us dead. They don't like Christians. You know, they want us to recant our faith or die. Uh, They hate us. They're the communists. They don't want Christians. They don't want us spreading the myth. They hate us. Uh, There's this group. There's that group. Uh, I I guess there's some good people in the ACLU. I have never met one. Uh, But... uh, You know, they, I guess, uh, hate us because they're against all the things that uh, we're trying to do. Um, To confront the world, as Paul did, with a declaration 
that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Romans 1.18. That is to guarantee that society is going to be against us because they don't want anybody saying that they're unrighteous and they're ungodly and that kind of thing. False religion reacts against believers because it is generated by whom? By Satan. It's generated by Satan, by the devil. Ungodly families, ungodly societies react against believers because they cannot tolerate righteous people in their midst. Where does that come? It comes from Satan. They don't want the message of Christ to be believed, to be spread all over the world. We do not earn our salvation by endurance. That's not the way we earn it. But we prove it that way. If you're faithful to Christ, even when you're being persecuted, and obviously there's no question of your faith, you're standing up. You're not just laying down. You're not giving in. Persecution quickly burns away the shaft in the church. You know, we uh, make sometimes, we see made sometimes a superficial profession of faith, and then if times get hard, they're gone. They're gone. You know, we're, um, we're building this new building, and if persecution gets real harsh against us, do you think we'll need the bill? How many will say, well, I, you know, I don't want to be persecuted? Have you, have you thought about that? I've thought about that. If persecution comes against us, how many will leave? You know, we're packing this place out now every Sunday. If persecution comes, how many are going to be here? You know, in some ways, persecution has already come. Uh, some of you have felt that. Now, here is the verse that uh, I want you to think about a lot, the last verse uh, tonight, verse 23. But whenever they persecute you in this city, flee to the next city. For truly, I say to you, you shall not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Now, as I listen to that lady from the voice of the martyrs, it seems to me like she was saying that people, you know, get in a community and they're a witness there and they're a great witness for the Lord, but it's very obvious that they're going to be killed. You know, they're coming down the street killing people. Well, this verse seems to me like speaks to that. You know, I, I wanted to kind of say something the night that uh, she was here. If they persecute you here, then go somewhere else. That's what this verse says. Uh, and that's the illustration of, of Paul's life. That's what Paul did. There's a pretty good example that he lived out this verse. Christ is urging us to escape persecution when doing so is expedient and possible. 
we can go to another place. We're not obligated to stay in a place of opposition, a place of danger until we're killed, until they cut our heads off. Whenever they persecute you in this city, Jesus says, flee to the next city. Now that is the pattern that Paul followed. If you uh, read Acts 12 through 14 and Acts 17, you see that that was the methodology that he employed in his ministry. When persecution became so severe in one place that he could no longer minister effectively, in other words, he was in jail or he wasn't able to, uh, to witness, to preach. He left there, went somewhere else. He wasn't afraid of persecution. As you know, he was beaten many, many times. He was stoned one time and left for dead. It was so bad. So, I mean, he wasn't afraid of persecution. But uh, he left a place if his effectiveness ceased. When I was in seminary, I took a lot of courses on missions, and I saw where the Baptist missionaries were, and there were uh, over a hundred in Prague. There was a, a seminary there, and there was over a hundred missionaries in Prague. Well, another thing on the material that I was studying was the number of conversions that were reported in the areas where all the missionaries were. And in Prague, here we got 100 missionaries, and we have about 10 people that year that became Christians. So I'm thinking, you needed to move to the next city, brother. That's not working out just right. Over here in some Latin American country where the missionary is, there's 4,000 that year that trusted and believed in Christ. I mean, we've, we've got to evaluate those kind of things. And we've got to help some people that are very sincere and very dedicated, but they're dying and ceasing their ministry when they don't have to. Or they're going to a place where they're frankly not effective. And they need to go to another place where the mission door is wide open and the fields are wide to harvest. Paul did this throughout his life. That's the pattern that every faithful minister and missionary is to follow. This verse says tonight, until the Son of Man comes. When's that? That's the second coming. Now, we don't know when that's going to be, so this is the methodology that we need to have until that time. The Lord would indeed send the twelve out among the wolves. We've been talking about the wolves now for a number of Sunday nights. Into dangers that they would never have imagined would come upon them. But just as he promised to send them out among the wolves, he also promised to send out his spirit with them to indwell them and to help them during their time of persecution. I want to ask you tonight, is the Spirit of God in you? Is the Spirit of God speaking through you? 
Are you able to minister in difficult situations because the Spirit of God is in you? You know, that's something that we need to really consider in these days that are ahead of us. Because the days and the times are changing. And the pendulum, frankly, is swinging against us. You know, we um, all have the Internet, I guess. Most everybody does. I turned on my Internet uh, this week, and it had Kim Kardashian's hind end on it. And I'm thinking, what in the world are we getting to? What in the world are, are we becoming in America? I don't want to see that. You know, we, we stand up and we rail against those kind of things. And society, you know, kind of comes down on it. This marijuana thing is going across our country. I don't think there's any, do you, do you all think there's any, I don't think there's any question about it. It's going across the country. I think it's crazy. I think it's insane. Did you know that the traffic accidents in Colorado have gone way up since they uh, put this stuff in? Well, so you as a Christian, you stand up, you come out strongly against it. Guess what? The government, law enforcement, they come down on you. Now, we're, we're moving in that direction in this country. We've got to be strong. We've got to stand together. And we've got to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. Amen. And as we do that, God will bless what we're about. And I hope and pray that every one of us will be at the task. Well, tonight... We want to give an invitation. We want to invite anybody that's here that doesn't know Christ as their Savior to trust in him because he is the only hope that we have, Amen. the absolutely only hope that we have. We're going to sing a hymn. If you want to trust in him, then slip out, slip forward. If you want to join the church, slip out, slip forward, take a stand for Christ. And serve him. You know, today is the last day we can nominate deacons. We can't nominate people for deacons that aren't members. You know, we have a lot of people that have been coming to this church for years and years, and they've never joined. Well, you can't do a lot of things in our church unless you're a member. You know, and, and some of those people are really good people, smart people, capable people, strong Christian people. I don't, I don't know what the rationale is, but they need to join. So they can become a part of the army and they can help us in what we're trying to do for the Lord Jesus. I'm going to stand down here. If the Lord leads you, you come. Let's stand together and sing. <laughs>